Hello, Dr. Sharman. Hello, Chandra. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, my food and mood friends. We're here for a, for a fun and exciting talk on detoxing, and we'll touch on some coffee enema stuff. And this month is like all about coffee enemas and detoxing. It's the time of the year. It's the springtime when our bodies naturally detox. And so I wanted to kind of focus in and and dive into some questions and touch on some topics and pick Dr. Sharman's brain about her perspective on detoxing. And we can also like, so we're going to kind of free flow into detoxing. And particularly we're going to, I want to touch on the use of uh, enemas and coffee enemas. So welcome. Here is your hostess and coach Chandra Zoss helping people make food and mood changes doable without missing out. Go ahead, high five that like button, subscribe and share while you're there. As some of you might know, I'm a big fan of coffee enemas. And I, it's one of my favorite tools that I've used for both like relieving um, detox symptoms and also like just really like feeling better through the detox process. Hello, my friend, how are you? I'm in the Dead Sea floating in the water. Go ahead and like and share and follow so we can keep in touch. So Dr. Sharman, I briefly talked about this before and she actually, so I, I know a little bit about where she's at with coffee enemas, but I'd love to hear like, let's start with the coffee enema piece. And I know that it's not, yeah. So I, before I disclose too much, what is your opinion on coffee enemas? Like, tell me kind of your blurb on coffee enemas. Yeah, so. I mean, so personally, whenever I do coffee enemas, I feel amazing. In practice, I don't typically prescribe coffee enemas. One, because I, I don't work with a, such an alternative population, I'd say, that, that they're kind of open to it. So I feel like it's not usually my first line of instruction. People can be very scared of them and intimidated and kind of chalk me up as being woo-woo. So it's not definitely not my first line treatment, but... And then, the, then there's obviously like, there's also literature about like people getting really sick from coffee enemas. Like it's definitely shunned by the mainstream medical community because it's not this like, you know, um, like antiseptic process, right? It's very like organic and like home natural sort of stuff. Can you, what is antiseptic? Are we talking like antimicrobial, right? It's not like, it's not like a surgical procedure where everything is, is like sterile. So you can't, could possibly introduce bad bugs, right? And that's the concern. You just obviously have to be really careful with it because anything alternative like that, if there's these little small incidences that people get sick, right? It gets a bad rep. And there's obviously no money in coffee enemas. And so it's, it hasn't been studied very much. So I feel like I have to preface it, preface it, preface it with that. Then, so when I, coffee enemas can be amazing from like the Gerson method, if you're familiar with that and anti-cancer, right? That's like a big part of their program. Um, and then, and then obviously like detoxing, like what you're talking about, it's, it's a huge, it's, they could be very amazing. And I, I scouted some like different naturopathic groups to kind of get people's general consensus on coffee enemas. And there was one, one woman's post that I thought like really summed it up the best. And it was like, we don't know why, we don't really know why it works. It's not really greatly researched for most people. It's kind of this miraculous thing and they feel amazing. 
And so like in practice, we see it and it's amazing, but like it's not substantiated by research. So it kind of puts us in this like funny place. Um, but they can be very amazing and make people feel just totally cleaned out, right? Very alive and vibrant is my, um, is how I feel when I do them. And that's what I hear from, from patients and from, you know, scouring the internet. So I, I actually am not sure if we have talked about this. So I want to kind of share this with both you and everybody who's listening. So I worked at a, a raw food detox center for five summers. You remember this, right? Mm -hmm. And so Marcia Radin, she actually knew and worked with Ann Wigmore personally, who is like very foundational with like the Gerson diet. And so at the detox center, they, they practiced and they, and they recommended to everybody who was there that they do regular enemas. I think it was like one, once a day for most people were there for 10 days. Some people were there for 20 days and they didn't necessarily offer coffee enemas, but they talked about coffee enemas. And if there was someone who was having like a big detox problem, um, like having headaches and feeling really off and yucky. And also if there were people who had migraines, some people suffered from migraines and sometimes when they would come, their migraines would flare. And so for special occasions, we would like, we, the staff, which is often me would make people coffee enemas. And, and the staff was like all into coffee enemas. So it was kind of this, like, I was like kind of immersed in this like enema culture and and there was always this like general time where people were like really uncomfortable with like the weird part of even just enemas in general. Um, but coffee enemas seem to be like this kind of miraculous tool. And I'm the one thing I'm really curious about what you're offering or what you said was that some people get worse or some people have like bad reactions. What was the exact word you said? The well, there's just like there's like a few. If you research, like if you look on PubMed, which has like many scholarly articles about different scientific things, you research coffee enemas, it comes up with people getting different intestinal infections from maybe not using a sterile enough technique. And so obviously, like I always have to have the other hand of like, oh, I could be sued because I'm a doctor. So I, I get worried about those little things. And then, but of course, that's not that's like a very small percentage, right? And so it's just making sure there's awareness about being safe. I wonder if that's from actually like not clean water. Like it's not it, purified water. Or the bag's not clean or the tubing isn't clean. Or maybe the person already had something and not just flared it right, which is actually probably the case. Yeah, because one of the things that I've actually seen and I've actually talked to a lot of people over the years with and both, both at the retreat center and then in my, in my life about... Um, enemas and coffee enemas specifically and one of the actually things that I'm actually really curious what you think is that I found and I've even had a couple times where I actually felt worse and my answer that I use both for myself and I offer other people was to actually do a second coffee enema mm -hmm. that I think that in the detox process that sometimes like and maybe this could be a good segue into detoxing in general but that like detoxing often doesn't feel good like when we release the top from this, well, my perspective, and I really love your perspective on this. Like when we start to release the toxins that are stored in our body, we often feel worse before we feel better. And so what I've used the coffee enema for is like, sometimes it, the coffee enema will stir up toxins and we actually don't release them. And so actually doing another coffee enema will actually help re release the toxins, which is what I've found is what really makes you feel better. Like the faster the toxins can get out of your body, once they're stirred up, then the better we feel. Tell me your take on, on that. Yeah, I, my first thought would be to agree with you. I would, I would think that would be the coffee enema would have 
triggered so much of a flushing out that then yes, a second one would mitigate any sort of negative responses to it. And detoxing can be very painful to go through, right? It's, it's not a pleasant experience. A lot of times I'll refer to drainage as a slower sort of detoxification. We've talked about that before where we're not pushing the body beyond its like physiological limits. And so you have less of that experience, but you know, if you want to, if you want to get out a little quicker then detoxifying, definitely those headache sort of symptoms, just body aches, feeling fatigued, just feeling gross, yucky down, then coffee animals, I think are a great immediate answer. And it's so, it's so nice to do something that's not oral, right? There's so much like via the oral route. Right. And have that immediate response in the colon, right? Immediately into the bloodstream. Yeah. And then also getting stuff out immediately faster than, because when we take things in through our mouth, it takes longer for everything to move down and out, which one of the things, maybe we can segue into like a little bit of like what you use to help people. And I, I want to actually like just touch on the piece that you talked about, like, cause we can do like a lighter detox that we kind of feel a little off for a longer period, or we can have like a more intense detox where you kind of feel like really sick for a shorter period. I've come, I used to do the hard and fast, and now I'm much more into the slow and gentle detoxing. Cause I have a life that I want to keep, keep living. Cause it's like, can be like a full-time job detoxing. So and you have 10 days to do it. You might as well go fast and furious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If that's what you're doing for. Yeah. So what do you, will you talk a little bit about like what you know about the physiology and the science of like what's happening when we detox and what are the, the things that you offer people when they're detoxing to support their detox and make them feel better as, or as good as possible through the uncomfortable detox process? Yeah. So when we detoxify, we're, we're really allowing the, the body to process different things it's held onto for too long and stored into different tissues. So, and those can be varied tissues, right? Fat tissue is notorious for, for holding toxins, um, but your lymph also has a lot of toxins. Um, and so does really, you know, I think really any cell in your body can hold onto toxins. And so it's like invigorating the cells to do a spring cleaning and then pulling those out. And then, so it has to go into the bloodstream and then it has to go into the liver and then it has to get processed. And then ideally you poop or pee it or sweat it out. Um, and, you know, we live in such a toxic world that I think we can do some sort of detoxification all the time. It's kind of the scary truth, but that's kind of the, the world that we're living in. So anything that you can do to open up those among trees is a, is a scientific word that we use a lot but it's a it's a organ that gets rid of things and a, an emunctory emunctory uh-huh e is it like a detox organ is that what the yeah like what? the main organs of elimination and which so are right, skin liver and kidney gi kidney gi um, and liver and then obviously like the skin right and the lungs are secondary to that. So, but anything we can do to, to increase the functionality of our gastrointestinal tract, so the coffee animals are helping pull that out. Eating a clean diet is helping to you know, allow more access for you to detoxify through that avenue. The kidneys, drinking lots of water, taking different herbs to help increase the filtration and the efficacy of it. Um, and then 
let's see, so liver and, and then the liver, anything we can do to help the liver, which is many things. So that comes up to your second question on, you know, what do I have patients do? Um, I'm a big fan of castor oil packs. I think we've chatted about that before. That's the process of just using castor oil and heat over the liver. And I actually, so typically it's with, it's over the liver, but I typically have people just do it over their entire abdomen. I find that it helps with constipation and diarrhea, and then also like hormonal problems for women as well. Um, and for babies, I find just like rubbing castor oil on babies' bellies is such a great way to help them have a regular bowel movement when they're constipated. So I have just seen amazing results from just plain castor oil. And I'll even hear some patients say like, oh, I get really crazy dreams when I do castor oil packs, right? And that's their body detoxifying, whether it's emotions or, right? We didn't even talk about that, but like emotions are toxic too, right? And we store that. Um, so castor oil, I'll have people do, I love Epsom salt baths. So Epsom salts are magnesium salts. And there's actually been studies showing that it can help pull glyphosate out of your tissues. And which is super cool. And you're not, you're just not going into the bath. You're, it's, it's increasing the detoxification and then you're peeing it out. So drinking lots of water after your Epsom salt bath is important. Um, but I think we can extrapolate from that study that it's going to pull other things out as well. Can I, will you explain real quickly what glyphosate is and why that's cool that Epsom salt pulls glyphosate out? Just a small. Yes. So, I mean, glyphosate is Roundup and it's everywhere and everyone has it in them, which is just terrible. Um, and it's toxic to every single system in our body. So anything we can do on a regular basis to pull that out, right? Cause it disrupts your endocrine system. It just makes people feel sick in so many different ways. It can affect like neurology. So um, anything we can do to help pull that out. Probably the microbiome too. I would imagine micro the Roundup is not so great for the microbiome. Probably not. <laughs> Yeah. So Epsom salt bath, I have people do obviously taking different herbs that help with the process, right? Helping the liver and the kidney and the gastrointestinal tract function better. Um, those are the, those are like the main things I do. You can take charcoal or different, um, binding sub substances that help bind, um, like the different, not, I'm not saying it the way I want to say it, but the different substances that might either be excreted by different bacteria as you're changing the microbiome, it can help with, and then also absorbing different um, toxins that are being excreted into the gut. It can help bind them. And then obviously you're gonna have a bowel movement and get rid of it that way. It's also an amazing tool to use if you ever have like food poisoning. Charcoal works, a binder works amazing for that. It's a good thing to know. I love the piece that you're bringing in. One of the main concepts that we worked with and taught at the detox center was like, when we kind of put our, encourage our body to do a detox, one of the most important ways is like having our elimination pathways open because when we kind of stir things up and, and I'd love to hear your doctor words and opinion on this or, or, or way of saying it that like when we kind of encourage our body to release toxins, because they're like, if we think about it, like that they're stored in our body and then kind of detoxing is like encouraging our body to, and supporting our body to let go of them. But if our pathways aren't open, if we're not pooping it out, if we're not sweating it out, if we're not peeing it out, then they kind of get kicked up and then our body kind of can kind of reabsorb them. 
And so then it's like, it's like you're feeling crappy and you're not getting the toxins out of it. So it can you can get in this kind of like really uncomfortable, unproductive detox loop. So I'd love to hear your kind of perception or anything you want to add on that. I mean, I, I don't usually speak about it in a, in a sophisticated way. I use, we've talked about it before, like a bucket analogy. And if you don't have like the bucket draining, it's going to stir it up and you're going to see more symptoms. It's going to overflow more and that's not helpful. So really creating that like good foundation, right? That opening flow. I'm curious how you like, so if you, if, I mean, probably most people that come to you, they're in like a more serious place. Like most people come get help when they're like having serious symptoms and they're like needing more drainage than the average person. So I'm curious, like what your different take on with someone who's like needing detox or needing drainage versus someone who's like healthy and wanting to prevent, like be preventative, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're saying everybody needs to detox all the time. So what would be your two different approaches? Like, what is the difference of someone who's in relatively good shape and just wanting to maintain and, you know, for maybe longevity or optimal health versus someone who's like having symptoms and like needing detox support? Like, what would be your two, how could you compare those two different ways of what's the differences or the similarities of how you would help a someone? Well, a lot of times it's actually really similar. (laughs) A lot of times those people aren't you know, so getting someone to this healthy spot, like I still encourage them to do casserole packs nightly or five nights a week and an Epsom salt bath, right? Those are all important things to maintain our health. And then the really toxic people, I feel like a lot of times aren't ready for anything more drastic than that. And so these, these are like really easy methods for them to start that process. You know, if someone's in dire straits, I might have them do some sort of juicing or fast to really help cut down on the intake, right? And allow their body to process. But a lot of those are just, a lot of the treatments are the same. Maybe they would do them more or different things, but yeah, they're a lot of times the same. Cool. I actually, like, as I was asking the question, I was like, I wonder if she's going to say it's actually, well, yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I feel like a lot of what I did in my, in my 20s, I did like a lot of really serious detoxing and, but honestly, like most of my practices are still the same. Like what I did then, like mm-hmm. to help myself get better is actually now what I really do to maintain and heal or maintain and yeah. The optimize. frequency is just decreased. Yeah. Maybe less often. Mm-hmm. So I, maybe I'd like to ask one of our, one of the, I think maybe the last question is like, I'm curious what you do in your personal life to keep what do you how do you say you say uh keep the drainage but how would you phrase it like yeah i keep you know keep in a good state of homeostasis maybe um goodness and i know you're a mom of three and you're juggling all the things and you're busy like you're not just a doctor in the perfect world or in your early 20s where you have all the self-care time so you're totally human and probably not doing it perfect, but what do you do in like your daily life? Like, what do you think is the bare minimum? What do you think are the best things that serve you? Like, how do you? I don't feel like I'm a very good example right now, but obviously like eating as cleanly as possible always can incorporate more vegetables. I feel like, um, can I, can I get you, can I get you to answer that specifically? What, what for you is eating cleanly as possible? Like, what are your kind of hard lines? Like, what are your, like, this is for sure important for my health. Yeah. So organic, not very like no takeout really. Um, so cooking at home, 
And then just eating whole, like whole fruits and veggies and clean meats, you know, and very minimal dairy, very minimal um, gluten, some grain, like we do eat grains, but we just don't eat a lot of like the processed stuff. And then obviously drinking lots of water, trying to limit my caffeine intake, which we can talk about more. Um, and then I take, I take different like antioxidants, right? So that's like a green drink or chlorella, spirulina, something like that. And then just try to keep my stress down, whatever way I can do that and sleep. And then as my time frees up more, I would say like more of those Epsom salt baths, castor, you know, there's, I try to do like a sauna once a week. It's another great way to detox um, and quite pleasurable most of the time, I think. Hot and cold, the alternating hot and cold is really powerful. And I would guess um, that this is probably obvious to you, but I want to just touch on this point of like making sure that you're pooping regularly. I mean, it's, it's, it yeah. seems like a basic thing. I get some people like, I remember at the retreat center, there was a woman who grew up believing that it was normal to poop once a month. Like, and it just blew my mind that different people can have really different normal realities of like, and it's, and it's a, such a basic way of like keeping toxins going out of our body. So yeah. I'm imagining that part of your self-care detox self-care is making sure that you're pooping and probably your kids are pooping every day. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, obviously like, that's a great, you know, I've always wanted to write a book called the poop type diet where, because you get this like great report card every day, right? Like your poop is a, such a great report card. And so, yeah, like just paying attention to it and saying, you know, maybe I need to clean it, clean it up a little bit. Yeah. To talk about poop for just a second, <laughs> my little one has gotten really into like, you know, she's getting big and she wants to do everything by herself and she'll, she wants her privacy when she poops. And I'm, but I'm always a little bit like sad when she, she flushes before I get there, because I'm always, I'm always looking at her poop to like, kind of have this barometer of like, how's her body doing? How's the food? Oh. Is it acidic? Is it, you know, like, cause it's, you know, you go to a, a vet or a doctor for a kid and one of the first questions they ask is how is their poop? You know, cause it's such yeah, a yeah. like telling indicator of what's going on in the digestive tract. Maybe we, that would be a really fun book to write. I like that. Poop, poop types. The poop type diet. The poop type diet. Nice. So then you would like, so in the, if the, if there's like the, the paragraph on the back of the book that talks about what the book's about, it's, so what would be like the summary of like, look at your poop every day. Here's how to interpret what's going on and here's how to rebalance it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Maybe we can get a Patreon going for you and you can, we can fund you to write this book. I would love this book. This would be awesome. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't, you know, I mean, I think just, you know, always putting out there that the emotional part too, right? And that's always like keeping the stress down, keeping the emotions clear. I know you know all about that and you work on that, but that's just the biggest toxin I think we're all faced with. Yeah, I, like, I think how I've been chewing on that concept lately is like that almost every disease starts with like the emotional component, the the non-physical and then somehow ends up in the physical. Yeah, it's so, so important to, so important and also so easily dismissed, you know, the emotional, the emotional component of food and health and yeah. Thanks for bringing that in. Yeah, my pleasure. Sweet.
All right, everyone. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time and uh, make sure you're pooping every day. <laughs> Bye.